Uh, the museum on the scene is a socio-political contemporary art museum in Jerusalem. That, that's, a, that's a mouthful. Socio-political contemporary art museum in Jerusalem. The seam in its name, it points to the fact that the museum is situated right on the seam or the line that separates East and West Jerusalem. Now in 2000, the museum sponsored an international art competition. Uh, several artists were chosen from that competition to have their pieces displayed in an exhibition called Coexistence, which, according to their website, sought to promote mutual understanding between fellow humans, nations, and religions. One of the pieces selected from, uh, from this exhibition was a, uh, from a Polish graphic designer named, now bear with me here, you know I've been practicing this for a little while, it's a Polish name. It's Piotr Mlodyzeniec. Piotr Mlodyzeniec. Clap it up for me, y'all. Clap it up for me. All right. All right. <laughs> all right. So his original image consisted of the word coexist in all capital letters, with the C replaced by Muslim crescent, the X replaced by a star of David, and the T replaced by a Latin or Christian cross. And it looks like something like, like this. So I'm pretty sure you're somewhat familiar with that, right? Um, or maybe you've seen this more popular version of it on a bumper sticker or something like that somewhere where uh, the P sign is in place of the O, the gender equality symbol in place of the E, the Wiccan I in place of the I, and the yin and yang symbol in place of the S that looks like this. Right, so we're very familiar with that. Now there's a bunch of other versions of this uh, graphic, of this piece of art, but they all essentially communicate the same thing. All beliefs, religions, and lifestyles can and should coexist. Why? Because there are many ways that lead to the truth. It's ultimately up to you to decide which way is best for your life now and or your life to come if you believe in a life to come. Or maybe you've heard it like this. Maybe you've heard, at the end of the day, all religions boil down to the same thing anyway. Or we're all praying to the same God or being or to the universe. We just all have a, a different different methods of going about it. Or what's true for you is true for you, and what's true for me is true for me. Find your truth, love your truth, live your truth. Now, I'm going to need your help a little bit here, right, on, on this part. So I want you to look, look to your left, look to your left, mm-hmm, and look, look to your right, Look, look behind you, okay, and now look, look ahead again. I got you, Larry. No, no, I got you. No, nobody's behind you. I understand. Okay. So, now there's a strong chance that one or more of those people that you just looked at and turned to at some point or even now feel that way. Now, if no one you looked at uh, believes that, then maybe the person that you looked at in the mirror this morning might believe that. Jesus, though, he has a different opinion on this. 
And as a matter of fact, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, that's big talk, right? That's, 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 that's real heavy language, right? So if you and Jesus are on different sides of this issue, then hopefully the Holy Spirit will use this sermon to help you to not look to your left or to your right or behind you or ahead of you or even in the mirror, but to look up. Because it is only when we look up to Jesus that we get the clearest view of what is truly within us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this evening that you've given us together to come together and worship uh, and sing together. Lord, I pray that uh, we would all be attentive to your word. Um, I pray that you would use me. I'm, I'm only a vessel. Uh, I pray that uh, you would uh, open our hearts, our ears, our minds to your truth. And I pray that all of us here would not just be receiving something that I drummed up or came up with, Lord, but I pray that we all uh, receive the truth from your very own word and that we leave here uh, changed greatly or changed just even a little bit, Lord, and that the Holy Spirit has his way. In Jesus' name, amen. So I am the way and the truth and the life is an answer to a question. This is a very important point because, for one, the posture of Jesus is that of a shepherd and teacher. Even though he's the king of kings and the creator of all things, he is a patient and understanding teacher and shepherd. And he's patient and understanding enough to be questioned by his own creation. Now, if you have kids, you've definitely been in this situation. Mommy, are we there yet? Or Daddy, why is the sky blue? Or Mommy, when are we leaving? Daddy, do we have to go to church? Mommy, can, we, can you ride the unicorn with me? So how do you respond to those situations, right? You'll say, what, what, what? Or yes, or no, no. Or, my favorite, because I said so. Because I said so, that's why. Right? So you know what I'm talking about. Now, but see, Jesus doesn't do that, though. He always welcomes our questions. His ear is always open. Excuse me. His ear is always open. And he has infinite patience and, and kindness. And it's okay to question God. He wants you to question him. He's not afraid of your questions. You won't confuse him or irritate him. But when God answers you, listen to him. And what I mean by that is to joyfully and openly receive God's answers to you. And God's answers may not always be what we think we want, but they are always what we need. I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus answer to the question he was asked was, me, I am the answer. I am the answer that you're looking for. God, when will I get married? I am the way, the truth, and the life. God, we've been trying for years 
Will we ever have a baby? I am the way and the truth and the life. God, I lost my job during the pandemic. I've sent my resume to hundreds of places. I've been to dozens of interviews. When will I get a call back? Will I get a call back soon? I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus, the doctor, said that the tests show I have stage 2 cancer. Will I be okay? I am the way and the truth and the life. God, how could you let this happen? Killed in her own classroom? My baby was supposed to come home to me. What am I supposed to do now? I am the way and the truth and the life. You see, God's answers to our questions may not always be what we want, but they will always be what we need. And what do we need more than Jesus himself? No matter the situation. In answering this question, Jesus is echoing what he said in Matthew 6, which is, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek after me, and everything else will be taken care of. Now, let's turn to John 14 for the context around Jesus' answer to the question. In John 14, verses 2 through 6 says this, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is telling the disciples that he is going to prepare a place for them in heaven, but they don't fully understand what he's saying because their eyes were still closed to the spiritual reality of what he was saying. They would later understand what he meant, but they didn't get it in that moment. And that's not too different from what we all experience in church sometimes, right? So you'll hear sermons and songs every week. Some stuff will stick. Some stuff won't really hit you. But then you go through something that shakes you or confuses you or worries you or scares you. And that scripture or that sermon point or illustration or song, it comes to mind. And God uses it to draw you closer to him in that situation. So God's word may lie dormant within you, but it never dies. Amen? It's alive. So when Thomas hears Jesus say, and you know the way to where I am going, it's Jesus' way of drawing him close. You've been with me, Thomas. You've heard me preach. You've been to Bible study. You've seen the miracles. You've lived life with me. You know the way to where I am going. But then he responds, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And now finally, we come to the place that we'll be living for a little bit. John 14, 6. Jesus said to him in his response, 
I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I want to zoom in on three key words in Jesus' response to Thomas. The first is way. The second is truth. Can you guess the third? Life, right? So now before we look at those three words, let's take a look at the second half of John 14, 6. That says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is emphasizing what he just said. When Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, there is an implied only. I am the only way, the only truth, the only life. The Greek word for only is manos, which is where we get the word mono from, as in monologue and monopoly and monochromatic and a mono signal like the microphone that I'm speaking into right now because it's plugged into one channel on the board and controlled by one fader. One. Only. But can you imagine just how offensive that is to most people? So are you telling me that of all the beliefs out there, right, Baha'i, Buddhism, Confucianism, Druze, Hinduism, Islam, Jainism, Judaism, Rastafarianism, Shinto, Sikhism, Zoroastrianism, all of the traditional African religions, the religions among the African diaspora, which include things like Obia and Palo and uh, Palo Monte and Hudu and Santeria and Vodou, or as we know it here, Voodoo, right? And the several Native American religions of all of those, faith in this 33-year-old brown-skinned Jewish man from Galilee named Yeshua, who claimed to be God and was crucified unjustly over 2,000 years ago, died and rose again from the dead, is the only way to heaven? Yes. That is exactly what I'm telling you, and that is exactly what he's telling you. But how dare you, right? How, how arrogant of you. This is what the world thinks of Jesus. But what do you think of Jesus? What do you think about his claim he is making of himself? Now hold on to that thought. Let's look at the first word, way. Way. The number one golf course in America, and some say the world, is just two hours away from here in New Jersey. The Pine Valley Golf Club is not only the best golf course, but it is also the most exclusive. You can barely find any information about it online. They don't even have a website. But the most exclusive thing about it is that membership is by invitation only from the board of directors. The only way a guest is even allowed into the club is if they are invited and accompanied by a member. So you can type in the address into your Maps app. You can follow the instructions to take this turn and to get on that road. You can do all of that, and when you get to the gates, you will not be able to get in. After all that effort and all of that time, you won't be able to get in. Why not? 
Because the way in is not through your persistence or your perseverance. It's through a person. Jesus says, I am the way. Me. I am the one, the only one who grants access to the Father. Not the five pillars of Islam. Not keeping the Jewish law. Not even the good things we're encouraged to do in the Bible. Feeding the poor, fighting for justice, giving to the needy, etc. These things are not the way. Jesus is saying, believe me. Follow me. Enter through me. Walk with me. Live with me. Die believing in me. Now, Jesus is the way. But how does he characterize the way? What does he say about the way? Matthew 7, 14 says, For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. The way is hard, but what does that actually mean? Like, practically speaking, what does it mean? We can be tempted to believe that all we need to do is believe that Jesus is the way to heaven and we're good. Meaning, we don't need to do anything else. We don't have to grow in knowing God through reading our Bible. We don't have to pray or have family devotions or listen to sermons in our free time. We don't have to encourage one another with uplifting and God-glorifying language. We don't have to fight sin. We don't have to identify the areas in which we're weak and avoid them. We don't have to be wise about who we're around. We don't have to be selfless, patient, kind, or loving. We don't have to die to ourselves. Faith without works is dead. Now, I want to be clear about this because it might sound like I'm contradicting myself, but I am not. I just said that doing good works will not get you into heaven. Only Jesus is the way there. But... If you are truly saved and you have been genuinely changed by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will do these things as a result of being saved, not so that you can be saved. Ephesians 2, 8, uh, 2 verses 8 to 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I'm sorry. God has created and saved you to do good works. He didn't save you because of them. You are saved through faith, faith in Jesus, and Jesus is the way. And the second word is truth. Jesus says, I am the truth. To get a better understanding of this, we have to look at some other scriptures. Psalm 119 verse 160 says, the sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. So the psalmist is saying here that when you add it all up, all of God's righteous laws, his commands, his teachings, his wisdom, all of that equals truth. The sum of your word is truth. If we jump all the way now to John 4, 1, verse 14 and 17, 
It says, like uh, Francesco read for us earlier, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us when we have seen his glory, glory as of uh, the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. 17, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So what do we see here? We see that Jesus is the word and the word is truth. So Jesus is the truth. In, G- in John 8, verses 31 and 32, and also verse 36, Jesus continues to show this relationship between the word and the truth. But he adds another layer to it. And this is what he says, verse 31. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth and the Truth will set you free. 36. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So are you following? God's word is the truth. The truth is Jesus, the Son. Jesus sets you free. Jesus is the only one. Truth that leads to freedom. But freedom from what? We find that answer in John 8, verse 34, when Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Jesus is the truth that frees us from slavery to sin. Now, when we look back to the garden, and you think back on it, what preceded the fall? What came before the fall? A lie. And just like Adam and Eve, we are drawn into sin when we believe the lies of the enemy. And the key to walking in freedom from sin is to embrace the truth and recognize and reject the lies. So, for example, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Genesis 1.27. That is the truth, amen? That is the truth. Everything that speaks against that is a lie. Okay? Another example, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. That is the truth. Anything that speaks against that, that's opposite of that, that conflicts with that, is a lie. So Jesus is not the only way to the Father, but he is the only truth that will set us free. And free from what? Free from sin. The third and final word is life. Jesus is the life. When we see the word life here, it is implied that he is talking about eternal life. Now, how do we know that? 
If we look to John 3, verse 36, it says this, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Now, even though the verse says, shall not see life, it contrasts it with has eternal life, which leads us to believe that both of these phrases are speaking about eternal life, even though the second life doesn't have eternal in front of it. You catching me? You got me? You following? You got it? Yep, you got it? Okay, good. Okay. Now, when Jesus says, I am the life, it means the same thing. I am the eternal life. In Islam, one of the heavenly rewards promised to believers in 70, is 72 virgin women who never have menstrual cycles and never use the bathroom. No number ones, no number twos. They are always at your disposal. Now, this makes me wonder, though, are there any women in heaven in that system? It's kind of weird. In Judaism, for the most part, there's no real agreement on heaven or what happens there. So the focus is on following the law the best you can so that when you die, no matter what happens, you should be okay. You should be safe. In Taoism, which is where the yin and yang uh, is from, there is no heaven per se, but there is an ultimate quest for immortality. In the Christian faith, there are promises of mansions, streets of gold, no hunger, no pain, no worries, etc. But what kind of eternal life in paradise have you imagined? Whatever it is, if the object of worship and the eternal life in heaven in your mind is not Christ, then you have completely missed the point. Completely missed the point. John Piper says in this famous quote, the critical question for our generation and for every generation is this. If you could have heaven with no sickness and with all the friends you ever had on earth and all the food you ever liked and all the leisure activities you ever enjoyed and all the natural beauties you ever saw, all the physical pleasures you ever tasted, and no human conflict or any natural disasters, could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ were not there? Jesus says, I am the life, the eternal life. Me, I am the one, the only one who is the point and focus in heaven. There is no eternal life without Christ. There is no eternity in heaven without him. There is no heaven without him. Much of what we think about heaven is what will we do or when will we get there or what it, where exactly is it or how will it be? But I'm urging you, don't concern yourself with the what, the when, the where, and the how. Focus on who. We have to keep our eyes on the riches of Christ, not the riches of heaven. He is not just the only way to the Father, but he is 
also the only truth that will set us free and the only focus of worship of our eternal life. Now, there's another significant piece of information that I left out about the museum on the scene. As I said before, it sits right on the line between East and West Jerusalem. Now, the East side is mostly populated by Palestinian Muslims, the West side by Israeli Jews. Now, these two groups, as you may know, have been in conflict for decades, for a long time. The museum literally stands in between these two groups. And the coexistence exhibit was its way of speaking unity and peace to the Palestinian Muslims and the Israeli Jews. Obviously, their efforts failed. But I only wish they would have learned from the example of a man who had his own exhibit on a mountain less than two miles away, just walking distance from that museum. Just like the museum, he stood between two opposing sides, God and man. His canvas was a piece of wood. His paint was his own blood. His tools were three nails, one piercing his left wrist, one piercing his right wrist, and the third piercing his feet to the wood. This would be the greatest display of love ever seen, a priceless masterpiece, the picture of a man crucified for sinners like you and like me. Sinners can't coexist with a holy God, so he did what no one else could. He took our sin and made it his own. He received the full punishment of God's wrath and died on that mountain called Golgotha. He is the answer to the questions in your heart right now. He is the only way to the Father. He is the only truth that will set you free. He is the one who gives eternal life and is eternal life himself. He is Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. You are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. May we understand that in how we live and how we worship you and how we go about our days every single day of our lives. May we reflect that truth to one another, to you, not only in this body here, this, this local body here, but to, as we go out of these doors and we encounter people uh, in, in every aspect and every place of our lives. Lord, you are the way, the truth, and the life. Let that truth sink into us. You're the way, Lord God. You're the truth and you're the life. We thank you and we love you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.